God, we are, uh, we love you. And we're thankful for this morning, God. God, I, I pray this every week. But this morning, would you just use me? Would the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning be your words and not mine? Would they be very specifically for your people in this place, your place on your day? God, we've come to meet with you. Would you continue to meet with us? Would you open our hearts and open our minds as we open up your word? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we are in week three of our famous Last Words series in which we are looking, uh, and as our kind of journeying towards Easter, right, looking at some of the words that Jesus said as he was hanging on the cross, as he was being crucified, as he was dying for your sin and dying for my sin. And so far we've looked at, at two of these phrases. We looked at in the first week, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, right? And we talked about forgiveness that week and, and praying for the people that hurt us and not just not praying bad things upon them, right? But praying good things upon them, praying for restoration, praying for peace, praying for, for their happiness, right? Even though that's hard when you're talking about people that have hurt you. And last week we talked about this phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of us have felt that very strongly over the last week or two. We've prayed that prayer, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And so last week we, we talked about what it means, what it means, about why, why Jesus was forsaken. Right? And Jesus was forsaken because Jesus became sin. And because of that, because the Son was forsaken, you and I can be forgiven. I love that. What a, what a powerful testimony to, to why Jesus had to die on the cross and why Jesus was forsaken. It was because of you and because of me, because of the love that God the Father has for us. And so this week, we're going to continue, and our passage this week is in the book of John. John chapter 19, if you want to turn there with me. In John chapter 19, again, this is uh, one, of the, one of the final moments. This is, we've, I think we've done uh, Matthew and Mark so far, um, or Matthew and Luke so far. We've looked at kind of the last words of Jesus this is, this, these are the last words of Jesus that John has for us. And so uh, if you turn to the book of John chapter 19, uh, we're going to be starting at verse 28. And here's what, here's what John tells us. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar where was there. So they soaked a sponge in it put a sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Right? This is to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy here. Verse 30, and these are the words that we're going to talk about this morning. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. These three words... It is finished. These three words are, are very powerful words. And actually, Jesus, in, in the original language, only said one word. It was a, it was a word 
in the, in the Greek New Testament. It says, tetelesti, tetelesti. This word has, is, it has, has a broad range of meanings, right? The, the definitions are, are to complete something, right? To, to complete, to end, to, to discharge a debt is another one that this means, right? To, to execute. This is what this, this means, right? To, to finish, right? The, it is finished is a pretty good translation, but it doesn't quite go into, into the depth of this word, right? There are three ways that people use this word in, in the days of Jesus, Right, the first way, for example, would be if a servant came back to his master and said, it's finished. I've finished the work that you've sent me to do. I've finished the project that you had for me. I'm done. Right? Basically, just to say, I'm done with what you sent me to do. It is finished. Right? The second one would be a merchant putting a stamp on a piece of paper and saying, it's finished. The debt is paid. You don't owe any more. It's finished. There was a third way as well. And it was when, when, when the Israelites would bring a sacrifice to the priest. And the priest would look at this, at this sheep. And if it was unblemished, if, if it was as needed to be, he would tell the person, it is finished. It's finished. And then he would take and go and sacrifice the sheep. Right? These three words, it is finished. There is so much deeper meaning. And so, so what does Jesus mean when he says, it is finished? Well, I think Jesus could, could literally have meant any of these things. Right? It is finished. God, I have finished what you sent me to do. I've finished the work that I am here for. It is finished. It is finished. The debt has been paid. Sins are forgiven. I have, I have forgiven your sin by the blood shed. By my blood shed, your sins are forgiven. The debt is paid. It is finished. I am the spotless lamb. I am the sacrifice that can forgive your sins. It is finished. Right, Jesus could have met any of these things. It is finished, he says. Jesus was on the cross, and, he, and he, knows, he knows all is done. He knows he's come, and he knows that he's, he's finished the work, and he says it is finished. I want us to imagine this this morning. Jesus accomplished everything that he was sent here to do. Jesus, his last words that John tells us, as, he's, as he's, he literally gives up his spirit and dies right after this, and he says, it is finished. Jesus accomplished everything that he was sent here to do. He accomplished his purpose. He accomplished his calling. He accomplished it. He finished it. Here's my thought that I've been having all this week as I've been thinking about this phrase. You and I, have unfinished business. You and I have unfinished business. Now, there's not one person in this room that can say to me this morning, it is finished. It cannot happen. It will not happen. It's not biblical for you to be able to sit here and say, it is finished. As long as you have breath in your lungs, 
we will never be able to say it is finished. In fact, I feel like a lot of the times our it is finished will sound a lot like well done, good and faithful servant. Here's what I'm trying to say this morning. Each and every one of us has a calling. Each and every one of us has been, has been gifted and, 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 and talented by things that God has given us individually and intentionally, and, and we are here for a reason. And we need to respond to that calling. You and I have unfinished business. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 3 that kind of came alive in a new way this week as I was preparing for this. Revelation 3, Jesus is speaking to the church in Sardis, and here's what he says. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. And here's what he says. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I come to you. I've always kind of focused in this passage on the, I know your deeds. I know your reputation. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Right? And then, and then I've, I caught this this week as I was reading and kind of doing some research in this passage. And, and here's what it says. I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. You have not completed what you were sent to do, right? You have not completed your purpose. You have this reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You have not completed what God has for you. You're not done. Remember, remember what you've learned. Remember what you've received. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that God has called you to do? What is it? Maybe, maybe God called you years ago to do something. Maybe he called you last week to do something. What is it that God is calling you to do? It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or in your 80s. There is something that God is calling you to do. If you still have breath in your lungs, God has a calling for you. Amen. You are not done. None of us will be able to say it is finished. We wait for God to tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. What is it that God has called you to do that maybe you've left unfinished? Some of us have have prayed God, I don't know if I can do anything else. I must be done. I don't see what you have me here for. I can tell you this morning, God has something for you. God has something for you. And here's the the coolest thing about this. Each and every one of us, while we have some unfinished business, we will always have unfinished business here. We don't have to go at it alone. God goes at this with us. God goes with us. God goes ahead of us, right? God is not expecting you to do what he's called you to do without him. 
Right? God is calling you to do something, and whatever he's calling you to do requires you to lean on him to be able to do it effectively and well. You have to be able to lean on God, whatever God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to go in to speak to someone. Maybe God is calling you to, to call someone on the phone. Maybe God is calling you to share your faith at your job. Maybe God is calling you to do something else that, that, that I don't even have the first clue what it is right now. But you know, you know what God is calling you to. You don't have to do that alone. The hope this morning that comes from Scripture is that God goes with you, He goes ahead of you, He will accomplish through you what He has set forth for you to do. I mean, essentially, this is what what Paul is saying. Paul is saying something very similar in Acts chapter 20, if you want to go to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here's what Paul says. However... I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. My task, Paul says, is my, my task is to share the gospel, to testify to the grace of God, to the gospel of grace. This is, this is my task, and I am not finished yet, he's saying. My only aim is to finish this. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is the task that the Lord Jesus has given you? Part of it is, yeah, we are all called to do what Paul is saying here. We are all called to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Every single one of us has a story of God's grace in our lives. Every single one of us, if you've come to know Christ, you have a story that needs to be shared. We're all called to do that. But, but what is it in your life that is left unfinished? What is God's call on your life? It doesn't matter. Like I said, if you're in your 20s or in your 80s, God has a call on you. He has a purpose for you. He has a reason for you. He has a hope for you. He wants to lead you in this. He's calling you. Last year, we spent almost the whole year talking about what it looks like to, to follow God. If you heard nothing from me that year, I hope you heard that, that following God means chasing after whatever God is calling you to do. What is it that God is calling you to do? I think one of the, one of the greatest things we can do, this week especially, is to identify that calling. To identify the unfinished business that we have left undone. And to just chase after that. And to finish strong. What does it even look like to finish strong? What would it look like for our church to to finish strong? What would it look like for you and for me to to commit to finishing strong? I think there's there's really two two biblical principles that I want to go over this morning. that, that, That really speak to finishing strong. And, and here's the first one. I think we need to commit to this decision. You need to commit to following. You need to commit to finishing. You need to commit. If you turn to Luke chapter 14, 
Jesus is talking about uh, the cost of being a disciple. He's talking, he's talking to his disciples, or he's talking to, to this large crowd, and Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him. What is it going to take? What's it going to cost if you follow me? And here's what he says, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes into this short little parable. There's actually a couple of parables. We're just going to go over this first one. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. I want us to think about this this little thing right here. Won't you sit down and won't you calculate the cost out? Won't you figure out what this means to, to follow God? I've said earlier, each of us has a calling. Each of us has a purpose. How do we, how do we find that? How do we know what God is calling us to? Well, we need to seek God. We need to seek wise biblical counsel. We need to, to seek God's will and his word. And, and, and we need to make a commitment to follow that. All right, won't, you, won't, you, won't, you, won't you count the cost? Won't you sit down and figure out what it's going to take to do this? Right? I think for me, for me, in figuring out what God has called me to do, there's a lot of times where I've been just praying, God, make this clear. God, make this, make this obvious. Make this painfully obvious to me. I used to use that phrase a lot. God, make this painfully obvious to me what you're calling me to do. Weeks go by. God, make this obvious. Months go by. God, make this obvious to me. And I find myself just always wanting like one more fact. I find myself wanting one more piece of the puzzle before I, before I commit to making that decision. I, I feel like I know, God, I feel like you're calling me to this. I feel like I know what you're doing in my life. I feel like, I feel like you're calling me to do this. But I just don't know. Would you just give me maybe a couple more pieces of this puzzle? And the pieces just don't come. And it's as if God is saying, you already know the answer. Listen to the first part of your prayer, Chris. I feel like you're calling me to this, but give me some more information. You've got it right. Just commit to this. Just commit. Just do it. Right? It's the Nike thing. Just do it. Right? God made it. God make it clear. I think we always want more facts. We always want more info. But here's the thing, right? If we had all of the facts to make this decision, there would be no faith involved in following God. 
If you had all the information you needed to make this decision, there would be no faith involved in following God. God is calling you to something. Chances are the something is not going to be very comfortable for you. Chances are the something might be a little out of your comfort zone, a little painful at times, but, and it's probably going to be something that you can't do without God, which is where the questions come in. If God was calling you to do something you already knew you could do, amen and yes, I'm in. Right, the struggle comes when God is calling us to do something that we don't feel equipped for. Right? We don't feel like, God, I don't know how you're expecting me to do this. God, I, I know that I, I could maybe do this and maybe do that. We start to think of all the possibilities. But God, if you're with me, I'm going. I think about that. Jesus did it. Jesus made that commitment. Jesus didn't need all the facts. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it can be your will, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. Does dying really have to be the way that we save everybody from their sins? <laughs> I can just imagine Jesus having this conversation in his head with God the Father. Father, if there is any other way, God, would you take this cup from me? And then the next line, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If there's any way that we can do this any differently, God, let's do it. But I'm in. But I'm in. I'm pursuing this calling. I'm going after your purpose for my life. Now this, is, this, is, this needs to happen. This is what you're calling me to do, so... Let's go. I mean, even last week, right? We were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get thrown into the fiery furnace. And their words, too, their words remind me of the same, right? We're not going to bow. Our God can save us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we will never bow. Right, God, you, you have called me. God, you have called us, they say. You've called us to follow you. You've called us to worship you. They're trying to get us to worship someone else, and we're not going to do it because this is what you've called us to do. God, but even if, even if you don't do what we think you're going to do, we will still go. We still won't bow. We will still do, we will still say no, right? I think that's, that's what we need to do. We need to commit to do what God is calling us to do. And there's two things that happen when we commit, right? The first thing that happens when we commit is it, it motivates us to endure the short-term pain for the long-term gain, right? When you commit to something and you see the bigger picture, you see the end in mind, right? The things that come up in the short term don't matter as much. Right? When, I was, when I was at Point Loma, when I was in college, I, one of my jobs was uh, I was the assistant athletic facilities manager at Point Loma. And so what I would do is my job was to take care of the fields. And so I would mow the soccer field and the baseball field. And you know, if you watch TV, if you watch the games, you see the designs in the field, right? You can see like the, the lines and stuff. And that's what we did at Point Loma. We did all those lines. And so that was my job. I was the guy who put the designs in the grass. 
And I remember my first few times that I tried this. They looked awful. They were so bad. They were so bad. It was, it was ridiculous. I mean, I was just doing straight lines, right? Straight lines. Go back and forth. Straight lines. See if you can do the straight lines. This is kind of your, your first test, right? And what I would do is as I, was, as I was riding the mower, I would be watching my mower. And I'd be watching the line. And if I ever, if I ever got a little bit across, I would correct it a little bit, right? And I would just, you know, just the little movements, but then you look back at the line, and the line looks like this. And what I learned after a few times was that if I, just, if I started, and I picked my spot, and I just went for it, that when I looked back, the line looked a whole lot straighter. It looked way better than if I was looking down at the things that were right there trying to avoid some things, trying to maybe move around some things. If I just kept my focus straight ahead, the line was straight. This is, this is, this is it. When we commit to God's calling in our life, we pursue that calling. And no matter what happens in the short term that we might want to dodge or get around a little bit, it doesn't matter because we're moving forward towards the goal. We're moving on. We're moving there. Right? It motivates us. I mean, think about Jesus' commitment here, right? Jesus' commitment in the garden was, not my will, but your will be done. We have a little insight into, into Jesus in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that I just love. Here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. Here's what it says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus had the, the long game in mind. He had you and I in mind. He had the calling, the purpose in mind. And he was willing to endure anything in the short term, even death on a cross, to reach that goal. See, when we commit to our calling, when we, when we commit ourselves to what God is calling us to, and we focus on that, the short term doesn't seem so bad anymore. right? It, it kind of, <clears throat> we just lose focus on it. The focus is not on the trials that are coming our way. The focus is not on how hard this is right now. The focus is on, God, this is what you're calling me to do. And I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish what you're calling me to do, God. I'm going to finish. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the long game. I'm going to focus on the goal. Focus on the purpose. I think the second thing that it does is it, is it kind of diminishes our, our negative influences, right? When you're so focused on the purpose, when you're focused on the goal, 
The things that people say and the things that people might say to try and deter you from doing that. The, the, little, the little whispers from Satan that come in and they say, is that really what you're supposed to be doing? Is that really where you should be going? They don't mean as much anymore because you're focused on the goal. You're focused on the goal. I think of this interaction between Peter and Jesus, right? Jesus is saying, hey, this is why I came here. I came to die. I came to die. I came to, to give my life for the many. And Peter looks at him and he says, no, I can't let that happen. You're not going to do this. You can't do this. And Jesus looks at him and what does he say to him? Get behind me, Satan. To Peter, to his disciple. Why would he say that? Because he's, he's got the goal in mind. He's got the calling in mind. He's got the purpose in mind. Right? Jesus, at the, at the end of his life, is able to say, it is finished. Because he focused on the goal. He, he, he chased after it. He went after it. He knew what he was here for. And he did it. And any negativity that came in, Jesus was able to say, get behind me. You don't know what you're talking about, Peter. This is what I came for. I've told you before and I tell you again, I came to give my life for the many. Man, so first, I think the, the first commitment here is we, we just commit. We commit to the purpose. We commit to finish, right? We commit to finishing well. We have to commit to it. And next thing we have to do is we have to live it out. You have to live it out. This cannot just be a, a cognitive commitment to say, God, I, I know you're calling me to this. There has to be the life that reflects it. Has to be. Go back to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Again, you don't have to do it yourself. This life change is, is different, right? It's hard sometimes. Sometimes we, we get caught up in the short things that we're trying to maneuver around. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. In 1968, the Olympics were in Mexico City. And there was a runner in the track, and he was running, uh, I think he was from Tanzania. It was, a, it was a long way away. It started with a T. I'm, I'm neglecting the country. I apologize. And in the beginning of this race, or in the middle of this race, he just ate it. He was running, he fell, he was bloodied, he was just kind of, he didn't look good. The race obviously keeps going. When the race ends, it's the last race, people are starting to, to move out, they're trying, they're leaving and, and uh, they hear the ambulance come in and the lights are there and they see and they, they look down on the track and there's this runner from Tanzania. He's bleeding through his bandages, but he's running the race. Someone asked him afterwards, they said, what are you doing? The race was over. Why did, you, why did you continue the race after it was over? And he said, my country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start a race. My country sent me 7,000 miles to finish it. I want to tell you this morning that God did not give you a calling so you could start it. 
He did not give you a purpose so that you could start following him. He gave you a calling. He gave you a purpose so that you could finish. And that one day, you would stand before him and he would look you in the eyes and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's finished. It's finished. What is your calling? What is your purpose? My prayer for you this week is that you would, you would seek that and that you would find it and that you would commit to it and that you would pursue it and that you would allow God to move through your life and in your life to accomplish the goal that he has set in, in motion for you. What is your calling? None of us can say right now, it is finished. But someday we will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's finished. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, these three words, it is finished, have such a deep meaning for us today. And what a way to start Holy Week. As we get this and we're processing this and thinking about this, God, what are you calling me to? God, what, are you, what is your purpose for me? How can I fulfill this purpose, God? Help me. God, my prayer is that this week that you would, you would just speak into the lives of everyone in this room. That as they seek you and as they seek their purpose, would you, would you just speak loud and clear to them this week? That they would find it and that they would commit to it and that they would pursue it, God. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory this week. Would you go ahead of us? Be in our homes. Be in our workplaces. That we might be a light for you and make a difference for you wherever we are. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And as you do so, I just want to pray this prayer and blessing as you leave. Just hold out your hands for me. May the God of all love and all grace, the God who sent his son for you and me, that our sins might be forgiven, would he go with you this week? Would he speak to you this week? Would he touch your heart this week? And would you be a light for him wherever you may find yourself? Would he continually remind you of the sacrifice that he made for you and the love that he has for you this holy week?
Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.